Welcome to the Gazette's Fact Checker Podcast. I'm John Steffi, the Gazette's business reporter. I'm Michaela Ram, the Gazette's healthcare reporter. I'm Marissa Payne, the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. And I'm Erin Jordan. I cover investigations. And as we're recording this, we are 26 days away from Election Day, and early voting is already underway in the state. So there have been plenty of fact-checkable things to check on. And this week, it's a little bit of a two-for-one special here. We've got two claims from the U.S. Senate debate last Saturday, October 3rd, one from each candidate, both regarding the state, or both answering, I should say, a question about the state's coronavirus testing. So first, getting into the claim from Teresa Greenfield, the Democratic challenger in this race, um, again, the incumbent is Republican Senator Joni Ernst. So Greenfield said this first, so going in chronological order here. She, while criticizing the state's coronavirus testing efforts, said that Iowa ranks 47th in the nation in testing. She did not specify during the debate what metric she is using to come up with that 47th rank. But then the Gazette fact checker team reached out to Teresa Greenfield's campaign and they referred us to an October 1st article in the Des Moines Register that was two days before the debate that said that Iowa has the third worst COVID-19 testing shortfall in the nation. That article was citing a New York Times interactive article that used data from the COVID tracking project at The Atlantic. This New York Times article has been updating as data has changed since then as well. The COVID tracking project measures states based on the percentage of the testing target. And that testing target is set by Harvard Global Health Institute. And it goes specifically on information from each state to determine the number of tests necessary given the state's current health precautions and other factors in the state. So for instance, if they don't have as much prison staff, that can change how many tests are needed because prisons have been a problematic area for COVID outbreaks. The White House, Wall Street Journal, CBS News, and many other media outlets, and with the White House also, the federal government have been, some of the places have been using the COVID tracking project data, according to the COVID tracking project website. At the time of the register's publication, Iowa was third worst in the nation in this metric, which translates to 48th in the nation. As of Tuesday evening, Iowa moved to 47th in the nation, ahead of South Dakota, Idaho, and Wisconsin. While the data does not allow for readers to go back to see the rank at the time of the October 3rd debate, the 47th rank is in line with what rankings have been. Also worth noting, though, the New York Times article also allows readers to sort the data by daily tests per 100,000 people. So instead of measuring it based on what the Harvard Global Health Institute says a state needs to hit in terms of testing, just looking at how many tests per 100,000 people. And Iowa has a significantly better rank in that they rank 39th instead of the main going back and forth in that kind of 48 to 46-ish range. So overall, looking at this claim, um, 
Her claim that Iowa is 47th in the nation in coronavirus testing lines up with the data trusted by the White House and other major media outlets. But it is worth noting that other methods of ranking the testing can improve that rank to 39th. So you can get varying results depending on the metric. But that indeed was correct that Iowa is ranked 47th. So I thought that claim was an A. Then going over... Do you, do you think, John, we should maybe we should talk about that one first and then we can talk about the other one when you're done with that one? Yeah, sounds good. So should I restate that end so it's a little bit of a cleaner out and then everyone can jump in? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. So I will restate the conclusion here. Greenfield's camp... I'll try that again. Greenfield's claim that Iowa's 47th in the nation in coronavirus testing lines up with the data trusted by the White House and major media outlets. But it is worth noting that other methods of ranking coronavirus testing can improve that rank to 39th. So overall, I thought that this claim would receive an A, but I'm curious to know what the team thinks. Michaela's our healthcare reporter. You want to go first? <laughs> sure, I will go first. Yeah, no, um, I I like that you clarified um, more about this COVID tracking project because I had a lot of questions about, you know, sort of w- how they determined what states were doing well in this realm and what weren't doing well. So mm-hmm. it, you say that, you know, it in, uses information to determine the number of tests necessary. Do you have more details on like, how they determine what tests are necessary. I can assume kind of what you've written here that, you know, based on uh, current mitigation strategies states are using, we would require less tests or if they're not doing enough, we require more tests. Is that how that works? Or could you explain a little bit more on, on what that looks like? Yeah. So from what I've been able to find, it looks like, yeah, if there has been more mitigation efforts, then you don't need as much of the testing because it's less likely to spread. Now, some of the specific factors is they have red, orange, or yellow for the state risk levels. So Iowa, for instance, is a red. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at other states, I mean, Michigan is a yellow, for instance. There is one green, which is Vermont. Um, And the last time that they updated these was October 1st. So it varies depending on state there. They also look at data in terms of schools, how many students are there, how much staff is there. Um, They look at healthcare workers, um, how many are there for each state, and a variety of other factors ranging from prison staff, as as mentioned before, to nursing home residents, university students, police, firefighters, EMTs, even cashiers are included in this. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, it certainly makes sense. I mean, just kind of given the coverage that I was received um, for what some perceive as, as pretty lax mitigation measures and, and what a lot of public health officials consider lax uh, public health measures for the testing, does the type of testing matter or are they just looking for testing to determine uh, coronavirus spread in general? So I'm going to double check this, but I believe it's just any kind of testing. Okay. So yeah, looking at kind of the total test number, they do not have it broken down, as I see here, in terms of antigen tests 
versus other kinds of tests. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think this, I think the conclusion you've come to makes sense, um, you know, based on, on this particular metric that, that Greenfield was referring to in her claim. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And um, I, I, I agree with your conclusion, um, you know, based on kind of their specific qualifications for testing based on the current health precautions. Um, it, it does seem like Iowa is not at least the, one of the top spots nationwide. One of the things I had is just um, looking at the rate per 100,000 residents. Um, I wonder, and this is something that I, I think that um, Craig Jamolis, our editor, was wondering about too, is that um, are the New York Times and other publications, when they're using these metrics, are they using the straight up rankings or are they using the rankings per 100,000 residents? So the default thing on the New York Times page is using the testing target. So okay. you can change the table, though, to measure it instead by the tests per 100,000 people. Okay. I was just thinking about um, statistics, and I'm far from an expert in that field. But, um, you know, I, I know that when you standardize things per 100,000 residents, it puts Iowa more in line, you know, on kind of a more level level playing field with states of different, much different populations and, and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, which is not to say, I mean, I don't think 39th is a great rating either, no. a great ranking yeah. either. Um, but uh, I, I just didn't know. And I don't know if that should change the grade overall, but I guess I wanted to throw out there um, whether we think that should be given any additional weight. Right. Cause that's an excellent point. I mean, Iowa already kind of has an advantage being a lower population state, like per 100,000, our rate significantly changes when you look at the data, when it studies it that way versus depending on the, the Harvard metric. Like I say, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think that I, I think it's still accurate what um, Greenfield said about the ranking um, of 47th, uh, it, but, um, and, you know, if that's the default score that's being used by these other major publications, I can see why they would go with that instead of the other one. Also, it fits their narrative better of <laughs> criticizing Joan Ernst. Um, uh, I just, you know, it, it might just be worth, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know that it, 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 it um, warrants dinging her down to a lower grade. Do you guys feel like the A is still appropriate? I was going back and forth on this particular point myself. So I'm curious to know what the team thinks. I think the A is appropriate. Um, I, I don't know if that, that warrants, but um, I, I, I could also be talked either way. So I'm curious what Marissa thinks on this. Yeah, I'm kind of, because I mean, the 39th ranking of, with the per 100,000 residents does provide more context, um, especially as Michaela pointed out, you know, I was um, lower population than some of these other states. So it is more fitting to the narrative, you know, using the, for, uh, the 47th ranking. But ultimately, since like, um, you know, since the White House and other media outlets are using that one, it's not wrong either. And Greenfield's campaign pointed to that one specifically. So since she was talking about that one specifically, it's not inaccurate. So I, I don't think we need to ding her for that. But 
Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, Marissa. I think as you describe that, I um, she was citing this specific thing, and mm-hmm. she was right about that. Um, I think that's worthwhile. Um, I do think it would be helpful, John, if maybe we can touch base with the um, entity that um, gathers these metrics and just confirm what the number, if they can give us the mm-hmm. number on October third what the debate was. I doubt it's vastly different from what it was on yeah. October 1st. Or on October 5th. <laughs> but um, yeah, we haven't had right. any major changes to the state's approach to testing. So I imagine it, it would be within that range. Yeah. But I feel good about an A. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Great. Well, then I will move on to the second part of this two-for-one special here. So um, Joni Ernst talked about her support for the Federal Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, which is more commonly known as the CARES Act, which gave funding for coronavirus testing while attacking Teresa Greenfield's lack of support for the various coronavirus relief bills. So the exact quote that Ernst said is, My opponent, Teresa Greenfield, has opposed every, now she said package, but specifically referring to coronavirus relief package, both Democrat and Republican, that have come through Congress. So we reached out to the Ernst campaign, and they referred us to a variety of Greenfield social media posts, debate clips, ads that she's run news articles, et cetera, um, that shows her opposition to various bills that have gone through Congress, including the CARES Act, other Republican-led coronavirus relief bills, and the Democratic Heroes Act, which is short for the Health and Economic Recovery Omnibus Emergency Solutions Act. Good luck saying that three times fast. (laughs) So... The CARES Act received bipartisan support in Congress, and President Trump signed that into law March 27th. Um, Then background for the HEROES Act, the Democrat-controlled U.S. House passed the HEROES Act in May for further relief, but the Senate did not vote on it. Then the House just passed an updated version of the law earlier this month, but the Senate has not acted yet on that bill. Greenfield does not currently hold elected office, So we don't have voting records to say, hey, she voted for this bill or voted against this bill, but she has made public statements on the claim. So according to a September 20th article in the Omaha World Herald, Greenfield criticized the CARES Act, saying she'd rather see a bill with more support for workers, small businesses, and state and local governments. She also criticized a part of the bill that would give the U.S. Treasury a 500 billion dollar fund to support corporations without having to disclose which companies received the money for six months. But at the same time, in a September 28th tweet, Greenfield said she supports the parts of the CARES Act that provided, quote, a hand up to small businesses and hardworking families. Then going on to the CARES Act here, or excuse me, the HEROES Act, In the Iowa Press Democratic primary debate in May, Greenfield said she would have opposed the original HEROES Act because of concerns over transparency of the relief funds. She also tweeted opposition to a Republican coronavirus relief bill that Senator Ernst supported on September 10th, 
saying it didn't include direct payments, enough unemployment benefits, local aid, or dedicated relief for our biofuels industry. That was her tweet, part of her tweet there. So at the same time, though, Greenfield has called for a robust, using the word robust, bill providing more coronavirus relief, according to a September 23rd article written by Gazette reporter Rod Beauchart. Her back on our feet recovery plan that she posted September 29th through her medium page also calls for a renewal of the $600 per week unemployment benefits from the CARES Act and an expansion of paid sick leave. The $600 per week and additional unemployment benefits for people that are unemployed was a key part of the CARES Act. A lot of what people kind of knew commonly is, oh yeah, that's what gave people the $600 per week in unemployment. That expired at the end of July, although Iowa workforce development is still, or Iowans, I should say, are still receiving retroactive payments for that. So overall, Greenfield indeed had objections to bills in Congress providing coronavirus relief, but she's also supported parts of the CARES Act providing support for those unemployed and small businesses, and she's advocated for more federal relief like what Congress has passed at certain points. So the idea that she hasn't supported anything that Congress has done, I thought was a little misleading. And overall, I thought that this claim would receive a C, but I'm curious to hear what the team thinks on this one. You know, as I was reading through this claim, John, I um, I thought I, before I read your grade, I kind of thought this is one of those that's half true half false um, because uh, while uh, Greenfield had criticisms for those bills, um, you know, she also, it, it, it's not like she didn't support the aid in general. In some cases, she thought there should be more aid. So I think that's um, where Ernst is a little misleading because the implication is that Greenfield didn't support mm-hmm. aid, you know, in these bills. Um, and it really, in some cases, she's opposing the that there's not more aid or that the aid is given to the wrong groups or that kind of thing. Um, and since she didn't wasn't called on, she wasn't there to like vote on these pieces of legislation. It's you know, it's hard to know how that would come out. So I, I really do think the C is the appropriate yeah, grade Yeah, I would here. agree with you, Aaron. I had the exact same line of thinking um, and sort of my first interpretation of um, she opposed every coronavirus package. I, I sort of interpret that as she had no support for it whatsoever. Um, but just kind of you, John, going through this and she, mm-hmm. she clearly has some support for the CARES Act or just coronavirus relief. Um, it's just that she had issue with certain portions of these these packages or she wanted to swap one thing out for another. I, I, I agree with you, Erin. I think it's kind of misleading to say that, you know, she opposed relief because clearly she she's in favor of it, um, at least from her public statements. Like you said, we, we really don't know what she would have or wouldn't have voted in favor of. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do, you know, the only real opposition I see is when she opposed the original Heroes Act. It, it sounds like she came out publicly and said that, but she hasn't come out publicly and said she would oppose the CARES Act. Yeah, she only has made the partial points about, okay, the I mean, $500 billion that the Treasury has, 
that kind of thing. There hasn't been an outright, I don't support the CARES Act. Americans shouldn't be getting these benefits. Yeah, and I was looking to, um, just from news coverage back at the time of the CARES Act passage, and like there was one NBC article I was looking at about the House vote on it, and it sounds like the only Democrat who voted against it was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, so, you know, that kind of works to being like, oh, look at this, um, you know, someone that a lot of people in the Republican Party consider to be, you know, part of the quote-unquote radical left. Um, so, you know, just kind of to that point of, I mean, Ocasio-Cortez said she had voted against it because she didn't think it went far enough to help individuals and small businesses and um, state and local governments. Um, and then, like, there's um, there's also an NPR article that I've pulled up that kind of breaks down, um, like, okay, the biggest portion of this went to individuals, but right behind individuals, um, big corporations were getting the kind of the second largest chunk of aid from uh, from the CARES Act. So, yeah, I agree with, you know, the points everyone else has made that the you know, the intent isn't there for, you know, Greenfield's not trying to say we shouldn't be providing this help to people. It's just she didn't think that the CARES Act um, perhaps steered help exactly where it was needed most. I appreciate that additional context, Marissa. I think that's um, that helps me kind of uh, be aware of where these different votes came down and where Greenfield, uh, her her opposition or her comments land. Um, John, um, I think you had noted in your check that there, one of the things that um, Greenfield had spoken out against, I'm just pulling up your check here, was about the 500 million. Um, the- was that, was that early? I'm trying to find that here. Oh yeah. The 500 billion fund to support mm-hmm. corporations. Um, that, that 500 billion, um, figure has been trotted out in so many different campaign ads, um, you know, and I think we've fact-checked that. Michaela, do you, do you recall whether that's been Um, one of the numbers we've checked? I believe so. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure off the top of my head, but I could go through and, and kind of look for that and see if that's something we have dug into. Well, yeah, or or I could, or John could, but I'm pretty sure if we just Googled it, I, I feel like that came up in in um, in this specific race before in the Senate race. So if we di- if we did check that before, we could always include that link with the check just for okay. some additional. Context. I will make sure to add that if that's something we've checked. I think I like I like this check. I like the two <laughs> for one special, John. It's a. Uh, it's kind of nice to have something side like two side by side pieces, and that I believe is probably how they'll run them on Saturday, um, because it gives gives people who listen to the debate an opportunity to see checks from both candidates. Yeah, so thanks absolutely. for pursuing I was going to say it's kind of a buy one get one special, but you don't really have to pay to listen to the podcast, so you aren't really <laughs> buying anything. But yeah, amen. But I was thinking that. Um, I mean, especially because these two claims came so close to each other, that would make also a lot of sense as people were hearing two interesting things from each side for this to be kind of back to back together. Right, right. 
Well, is there anything else you want to talk about about this check, John, or should we talk a little bit about what, what we're going to be looking um, at for next week? I think week? this pretty much covers it for the second claim if we are all in agreement on the C grade. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Then let's move on to next week's check. Okay. Well, a couple of potentials in the hopper that um, we uh, that are part of the same race we're looking um, tonight. There's a debate in the second congressional district between Republican Marionette Miller Meeks and Democrat Rita Hart. Um, I think Marissa's covering that for the Gazette, and I will be listening in to see if there's any claims for the fact checker. Um, if there's something verifiable there that we can jump on, um, we will. You know, we may do that for next week. If not, Michaela, you had also gotten a mailer yeah, in this so race, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of others living in, in this district, you're probably getting a lot of mailers for the for the race. Um, so I got one from, uh, it's a super PAC called the Congressional Leadership Fund, and they're known for um, helping, try to help elective Republicans into the U.S. House of Representatives, and it's a tack ad against Rita Hart. Um, and what really kind of caught my eye about this one is that rather than sort of pointing to whether or not Rita Hart supports federal pieces of legislation or federal policy, it, it points back to her um, her time in the state Senate. Uh, so it makes reference to the gas tax, um, the, the income tax system, a tax increase on cattle, and a couple of other things. But I thought this one could be interesting to fall back on, depending on how the debate goes tonight. Yeah, that sounds good. Those, I mean, gas tax, um, agriculture, these are all... Um, important topics. And if, you know, if you've seen any of Rita Hart's commercials, she's often, she's like walking around the farm right. in half of the ads. So it's, it's good to, good to talk about. I think she even talks about like animal manure at one point. I think she pushes, I think it's her husband out so he doesn't walk <laughs> through it or something. Ah. <laughs> uh. Sorry, that was maybe more than we needed to it's know. It's important context, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't want somebody stepping in manure. Right. Yeah. Well, we will be listening to that. Um, and that pretty much wraps up this edition of the Fact Checker podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm John Steppy. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm Marissa Payne. And I'm Aaron Jordan. If you have a claim you'd like us to check, reach out to us at factchecker at thegazette.com. Again, that is factchecker at thegazette.com. We'd love to hear from you. Our podcast is produced by Stephen Colbert. Our fact checks are edited by Craig Jamolis. Our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. And thanks again for listening. We will fact check you later.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.